Today is the last class of the semester. Not an on the bunch, but that's okay. It's good. I can take that. Um, next semester, we'll be doing the class. We'll just be picking it up from where we left off here. Uh, but it won't be in this room. It'll be in W247 is next semester. And I think it's January the 17th when it starts. So it'll be um, W247 is where we'll be at. And we'll just kind of pick up with the um, where we're leaving off last week, which was technology, because tonight we are just kind of doing a semester in review. And so what we've got, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the highlights of the semester that we went through and some things that at least I thought that were important. Uh, if you have your notes from the past, that will help you reflect, because there'll be multiple table times just to kind of talk about what you learned and that kind of stuff. And so hopefully about half the class will be wrapped up in this discussions at the table about what you learned, what you thought was important, what you didn't learn, what you thought you were going to learn and didn't learn. Um, but so that's kind of where we're at. But anyway, week one was an introduction as things always are, right? And we kind of open up with First Chronicles 12:32, talking about the tribe of Issachar. It says, the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. And you don't, you don't learn a lot about the tribe of Issachar. There's multiple times they're mentioned, but they understood the times. And in order to know what to do, we need to have proper understanding. And so we certainly want to be like the tribe of Issachar as we step out into the world each and every day. And so the first thing is we talked about, we need to see the big picture. If we're going to go and engage the culture, we need to see the big picture of the culture. And again, man, there's things that happen around us and we're like, man, the world has lost their ever living mind, right? And we got that and we can state that, but we need to know why they're losing their mind. What are the ideas behind them losing their mind? And of course, the crazy thing is, is they think they've got it all figured out. Next thing is don't confuse the moment in the story. And I've said that multiple times through the semester, and that's just become so important because, man, we can look at the events that are surrounding us today, and we can sit there and get into the, that's the whole story. What's happened to me today is the whole story. And then we begin to make decisions based off of that one moment, whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it's indifferent. We begin making decisions off of the moment, right? And we don't want to do that. The moment does not make the story. The moment does not make the story. And when we look at God's purpose and design, it's of utmost importance that we see as much as God's plan as we see in the moment. Because when we understand the plan and the purpose of God, right, we keep that big picture in mind and because it's God's story, it's not our story, then we can turn around and we can handle the moments better, whether they're good or whether they're bad or whether they're just indifferent. We can handle those moments better and we can make proper decisions. So don't confuse the moment with the story. The moment we live in, it's a part of God's story, but it never makes this whole story. And then we talked about, you just want to see the whole puzzle, not just the pieces. And again, that's again, ties it to the moment and the story and the big picture together. So creating culture, right? And this is still the introduction. God has given us the great commandment. 
He's given us the Great Commission, and he's given us the Cultural Commission, or what I often call the Cultural Mandate. And it's through each one of these commissions, one of these commandments, that we make culture. Each one of these has a role in engaging the culture and creating culture. And we saw flourishing, and we talked about this. This is a wheat field, and the story behind this one was, right, God gave us wheat, but we don't go and just eat the wheat stalks, right? He gave us the wheat, and then Adam was to go, and he was to gather the, the wheat off of the stalks. He was to thresh it. He was to separate the wheat and the chaff, and he was to grind it up, and he was to make bread. That's flourishing, and God created Adam to do that, and he's created us to do that, that we start with this raw material that God gives us, and we go and we make something even better out of it. We make something better, and that's flourishing, and that's what we saw with the wheat. Um, we need to care about what God cares about. God cares about his glory. And so when we talk about ideas and and practices and things we need to implement, certainly one of the things that we need to ask is, how is God going to receive glory in this? And if we can't come up with something that says, man, God will receive glory in this, we really need to question whether we need to be doing that or not. Right? God cares about his glory. God cares that we bear his image. God cares that we bear his image. Man, and that is... Man, everything is wrapped up into that. And then God cares that we love our neighbors. Right? The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God cares about these things. And so when we begin to think about the culture, we need to think about these things. So we talked about givers and takers. right? Takers are those that look inward. If they create any culture, it's for themselves, and it's not beneficial for the, the wider culture. We are not to be takers. <clears throat> excuse me. We are to be givers. Givers are always, <clears throat> excuse me, looking outward. Those that look outward, the givers, <clears throat> they will create a culture that holds high humanity, that holds high creation, and ultimately at the pinnacle of that is holds high God's glory. And so we don't want to be takers, we want to be givers. <clears throat> and then we talked about the balconiers and the travelers. And this was out of uh, J.I. Packard's um, book, Knowing God. And it starts out in the introduction, and it's a story about the balconiers and the travelers, right? And the balconiers are those that are on the balconies of these homes, and they just kind of watch, and they have great discussions, and they may have theological discussions, and, and they may even have debates, and they'll talk with people walking by on the road, but they never leave the balcony, right? They've got a lot of knowledge, and they have a lot of discussions, but it never leaves the balcony. But the travelers... Right, The travelers are the ones that they're like, wow, we are going. I don't know about all that stuff you're talking about, but what I know is, is God's called me to travel this road, to meet the people, to infect the people, to engage the people, that they may come and know the God that we know. We want to be travelers. 
we don't want to be balconiers. And again, man, we can have all kinds of discussions. Somebody came into my office this week, or maybe it was last week, I don't know, um, and was just, was just asking me about, hey, do you think we're dichotomy in our being, or are we trichotomous? In other words, are we just, um, are we physical and are we spiritual, or are we a physical and spiritual and a soul? You know, and I said, you know, man, I don't, I don't know. Depends on what day of the week it is, on how I feel about that. And so I went home, and Dad and I, we talked about it a little bit and um, came back and hit this guy up. And I says, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know I want to put that much time into it. You know, it, and it can be important. I'm not saying it's not an important thing. It's just I'm just not sure that I'm really going to change the culture by saying, you know, we're really trichotomous beings, and I think that's what's going to change the world. The world doesn't care. And so it's not really something I want to invest a lot of time in. Balconeers would spend a lot of time in having that discussion. And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just not sure that we're going to change a lot of things by figuring out whether we're dichotomous or trichotomous or the duality of being. Um, so anyway, be travelers. We want to be travelers, not balconeers. And so then week two and three, right, it was dealing with tactics. The book tactics, we kind of separated this out because I thought it was important that we know these questions. And the first question that we learned is, what do you, what do you mean by that? The second one was, um, how did you come to that conclusion? And then the third one was, have you ever considered? And as I put that up there, I'm thinking, wow, we spent two weeks on that. It's three questions. I just covered it in less than a minute. All right? It's important that we ask questions well. And it's important that we listen well. And so that's what we spent is on those questions. Um, next week four is we talk about what is culture. And this is, we came up with this, and that's culture refers to what people do with the world. We build, we invent, we imagine, we create, we tear down, we replace, we compose, we design, we emphasize, we dismiss, embellish, and we engineer, right? And that's out of the practical guide for culture with John Stone Street. Um, but man, we're called to build and create culture. And then creating culture was part of God's original plan for us. It's part of God's original plan for us to go and create culture. And then we kind of talked about the five positions that the church has taken through history on culture and Christ the transformer of culture. That's really where we should be. And again, you know, the different ones where, you know, we can just, man, we can just get in our bunkers and really just not be even in the culture. We can just come into our walls here. We have a good time. We have community. We have prayer. And then we just we, we hurry home and just try to survive until we can get back to Sunday. And so, man, that's not what we're called to do. Man, Christ came to transform the culture. Not just save people, right? He certainly came. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead that we may have eternal life through him. But he also came that we would have an abundance of life while we're here on this earth. So Christ is the transformer of culture, and I think that's the model that we should be carrying forth as we go from this church. And then we talked about what the cultural mandate is, and because we just talked so much about it, I think it's important that we define it and we kind of flesh that out. Uh, Abraham Kuyper said, there is not one, There's not a square inch of the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. There's nothing 
in this entire universe that does not belong to Christ. It all belongs to him. It's his. When he came, when he created, when he redeemed, he didn't just redeem a human soul, he redeemed a whole creation. And so it's important that we understand that's what the cultural mandate does for us. It covers every discipline that we find and experience in the created order. And we just started last week. Everything in this semester has really been building up to this point. Technology was that first area that we went into. And all of next semester is going to keep dealing with these disciplines of how we can go and affect those disciplines for the cause of Christ, that we can engage those disciplines, that we can go and transform the culture of those disciplines. So whether it's um, the economy, whether it's um, medicine, whether it's teaching, whether it's architect, engineering, man, it can all be redeemed and used for God's glory, extending his image bearers and loving our neighbor. It can all be done that way. Um, and God intends it to be. So when we properly understand the cultural mandate, it points to an incredibly beautiful and inspiring picture of human flourishing within God's created order. And it can only be done in the biblical worldview. That can only be done in a biblical worldview where we can end up with this last statement. No other worldview is going to give us that. They can have that utopian mindset, but they're never going to achieve that. It's impossible to achieve it outside of the biblical worldview. Questions? All right. So Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is where we get the cultural mandate. And this is this uh, Nancy Pierce. She's one of my favorite authors. And this is what she says in relation to this. She says, in Genesis, God gives us what we might call the first job description. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The first phrase, be fruitful and multiply, means to develop the social world, build families, churches, schools, cities, governments, laws. The second phrase, subdue the earth, means to harness the natural world, plant crops, build bridges, design computers, compose music, you know, this passage is sometimes called the cultural mandate because it tells us that our original purpose was to create cultures, build civilizations, nothing less. Man, this is what God has called his image bearers to. And we need to be faithful to that. We need to be faithful to that. So week six was Christianity and culture, a history or a look back. Um, throughout history, biblical Christianity has been the driving force behind beneficial cultural changes. If flourishing was lacking or a wrong that needed correcting, Christians were there bringing God's flourishing to the culture. Again, it was the Christians, it was the biblical worldview, and these are just a few areas, and we talked about them that night, slavery, women's rights, school, science, all of these things Christianity has either brought flourishing into or redeemed it From an ungodly thing. So whether it's slavery, whatever it is, Christians have brought goodness into this world. They brought flourishing into the world. And then that week seven was Christianity and culture a plan. And so in there, we the purpose of this class is to draw you into a life that goes against the cultural flow so we can be the culture shapers or travelers God calls us to be. I don't remember who said it. I just heard it this week. And it said, right, dead things flow with the stream. Only those things that are living can go against the stream. And he's called us to live and to go against the cultural flows of the world. 
And this will take thoughtfulness, it takes intentionality, it takes long-term thinking, it takes critical thinking, it takes proactively, thinking proactively as we go ahead. And I kind of shared some questions in that last one uh, with Colson. Is there, something, is there something good that we can encourage and pursue? Is there an evil that we can work against? And I don't, I don't remember what the other ones were, but um, if they're last week's notes. So, um, And then we must know and understand the current and the undercurrents of culture if we're to engage it well. And that's kind of, kind of what I opened up with tonight. Is we, really, we can't go engage a culture that we don't know what's going on that we just don't understand what's going on. and um, We must be able to tell the grand story of the Bible or the meta-narrative is a phrase that's often used, and that's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's just the outline. We need to be able to tell that story. And we need to make sure that we put creation and restoration in there because often in our churches today, we cover the fall, we cover redemption, and we leave the bookends off. We leave the bookends off. It's important that we tell the whole story and we tell it well. Right? To change culture, we must overcome fear and we must be in the culture but not of the culture. And that becomes challenging. It just becomes challenging to be in the culture and not be consumed by the culture or to take on the flavor of the culture or the essence of the culture. You know, we have, we have to be introspective on those things. And if we find out that, you know, the culture is just starting to absorb us, we need to take a break. We don't quit, but we need to step back from that and catch our breath, go to your island, go to your mountain, right? Catch your breath, regroup, and then we come back and we engage the culture again. Week eight was think and speak clearly. To engage the culture well, we must be able to think well and reason well. And again, we kind of went through a lot of the, um, the logical arguments, the straw man, the red herring, all of these. And we kind of covered some of those things because the world is full of those. And unfortunately, some of our arguments will have those in there too if we're not thinking well. Um, we need to persuade others. To persuade others, we need to build trust and credibility. Man, if we've got no credibility with people in the culture... We're not going to persuade them. We can speak all the truth we want. We can lay down all the facts we want. We can be as persuasive as we think we can be. But if we don't have credibility, credibility in their eyes, we're not going to influence them, not one bit. So it's important that we live out our faith well. right? Because the most damaging thing to our testimony is not living according to God's word. And unfortunately, if somebody else is not living that way. A lot of Christians get painted that way. And so it's just important that, man, we live as Christ has called us to live. We must dialogue well. It means we, to listen and to ask thoughtful questions. Again, sometimes I get the habit of the problem of, man, I'm, I'm thinking dialogue is me talking to you. Well, that's, that's, not, that's a monologue, right? I need to listen well, and I need to ask good questions. I need to ask good questions. And at the end of the day, how we treat people is what wins them to the truth. How we treat people is what wins them to the truth. And then last week, we talked about technology. Right? Technology can lead to great good or great harm. 
as followers of Christ, we must live out our faith in the areas of either we're restorers, we're renewers, we're relators, and repairers. And we can fill multiples of those roles, or we may just fill one of those roles, depending on where the stage in the life that we're at. Um, but all of these things take place within the culture. Uh, we must constantly remind ourselves, remind ourselves and others to not confuse the moment in the story. And we're back to that, and I've kind of already talked about that a little bit. Don't confuse the moment in the story. This is God's story, and he allows us to be a part of it. It's his story, not ours. God's placed you here in this moment and this time to fulfill your part in his story. All right, questions? All right. Here's the first discussion at your tables. What's one or two things that resonated or stuck with you this semester? We covered a lot of things. Hopefully, like I said, you, you brought some of your notes back with you. Um, so what are some things that struck you that were powerful, that were good? And then how will you use what you learned? So it's a two-part question. What was good? What was powerful? And then how will you use that? going forward. Okay? Go. Okay, let's bring it back in. What did we... So what were some things that... One or two things that you thought, man, that really impacted me, that was good, that's helpful, that was beneficial. And then it goes, thanks, Leland. This is my guy right there, man. <laughs> uh, I would say the Okay. So answers, Diane? For this class? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, I use a lot. It's called understanding the culture. I mean, that's kind of a framework that I work from, but then I do pull. Yeah, it's more of a textbook. Most people, I mean, you have to be really, I mean, to, to read a textbook. Anyway. Yeah, I want to be careful because I read them. I read them. But like, like the book that you guys went through with Kathy Armstrong. I mean, that's a book that I resource a lot um, in these. Uh, of course, the tactics books is one that I use a lot. Um, so, th I mean, there's, there's no end of material out there. Okay, anything else? Ideas that just struck you and I thought, man, that was helpful. Oh, Abigail Schreier. Oh, okay. Abigail Schreier. Okay. Irreversible damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty graphic. Irreversible. IRR. All right. What'd you get, Sarah?
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's the whole preparation piece of that. And, and again, I mean, I teach a class on Wednesday morning and uh, with high school students. And so, you know, just about every week I give them a question to go and ask their friends. It's a worldview question. It could be an apologetic question, whatever it is. And one, it just gets, and I do that, it gets them used to asking questions. And usually it's pretty structured. It's like, ask this question, but don't, don't respond. Just thank them for their answer, and then you, and you can walk away. And then sometimes they can, you know, I'll give them a follow-up question. Well, it gets them used to, one, asking questions. It gets them used to listening. And it gets them used to having these conversations. And the same way, like when we struggle to have a conversation, other people do too, especially when you start to ask questions and it's like, oh, wow, I, I really need to give this some thought. Um, well, you know, and then things begin to fall apart. And it's for them also because most people form their opinions not off of deep thoughts or that they really just logically, rationally, biblically or whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, have walked through that. It's like, wow, I like that idea. I like that idea. You know, it's kind of like, oh, left-handed people are all creative. I'm a lefty. And so I like that idea. I just wish I was creative. I just know that's not true for all lefties, but I do like the idea as a lefty that I'm, I sh- at least should be creative. Um, so that's good. Yeah, we want to be able to be prepared to have the conversations and to know how to have them. This table? Yeah. So I think that's helpful to me to try to just ask people, you know, let's say your ideas are true. What does that lead to? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So where I go is when I see people try that, it leads to starvation or, I mean, anything you can think of. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. And we do want to be able to have, and again, that take that takes that takes work, that takes practice to be able to, okay, I can see how we got to this idea. Right? And that's usually, that, that becomes a little bit easier. But how do we take it out? Where is this idea going to lead us to? And, and again, I think that's where, as followers of Christ, right, understanding the culture, engaging the culture, that's a role that we can play and say, where is this going to lead us to? Well, I think it's going to be something good. Well, why do you say that? Well, because everything always gets better. Well, right? But everything doesn't always get better. 
And again, I just, I, it just makes me think about, you know, an advancement. Again, this is years ago. I was talking with this PhD student from England, and, and I said, well, tell me how, how society's getting better. You know, and his thing was, was well, technology. And I'm like, oh, you know, I can, I can see where technology has done some good things, but, you know, what about Hiroshima? Was that a good thing for them? Well, no, the atomic bomb. I mean, right? You've got these things, and you'd be able to play them out. And again, the, the easy one is look at China's one-child policy. You know, they just, man, they were having babies all over the place, and their population was exploding, and, and so you can only have one child, and we're going to abort the rest. And now... Man, China is in a demographic freefall that they're not going to be able to recover from. And yet we can see something similar to that in our culture. Let me see. How many brothers and sisters did you have, Anna? Five. Five. Anybody? Brothers and sisters? How many? Two. Three. Three. Two. Four. Three. All right, which... Which is it, Sarah? It's either three or four, okay? It's not, it's, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, man, you know, there's big families, and we just see our families are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, ours isn't by a one-child policy, but ours is by choice, right? And again, that can be good or that can be bad, but we have to understand that even in America, man, our birth rate, we are at the point where it's, it's, just, it's almost a negative birth rate. I think it's like one point, I think we're like at 1.7% and we need to be at 1.9% just to replace the population that's, that's dying off. And it's because it's, we do smaller families or we're not having any families at all. This is a side note. I'm getting ready to go off on a tangent here, but it just struck me as, yeah, yeah Kevin's like, all right, we're ready here now, right? And that was, you know, when... When you look at, and I'm just going to say religious families. I'm just going to say religious families. And, and because you, that can be Muslim, that can be Mormon, uh, that can be Hindu. Man, it's those that have a belief system, a faith system, that tend to have more children. Just demographically speaking, they, ha- they tend to have more children. But when you look at you know, what we would call today as progressives, they're not having children. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's what's going to, man, that's just going to encroach upon my life. It's going to be this. And so they get into this, right? It's that inward thinking. But they're not having children. Well, whatever that may be, hang on a second. Hang on to this thought. Because who, that means they're not raising their children with their progressive ideas. Whose children are they getting? They're getting yours. And our grandkids, because they're not having kids, they've got to create to extend that ideology somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where you need to get them. And so, but they're not having them. It's not they're, they're raising their kids up in that. They're trying to raise our kids up in that. And that really becomes a challenge with those ideas that we need to be able to take these ideas. And I know I got off of that idea. We need to figure out where that harm is going to go before the harm comes. That is our role, but that takes practice. That takes knowing a particular field within the culture, and you bring in God's image bearers and God's flourishing to bear on those things. Again, again, I was talking to the students, and it's how do we know an idea is an idea flourishing? And is does it hold high humanity, and does it hold high 
the created order. Typically, again, when we look at climate change and everything that people want to do with that, okay, it holds high the created order, but it diminishes humanity. And in God's economy, we lift high both of those. And so that's a question we could ask. Is this going to diminish humanity in some, in some way or form? Okay. Uh, sorry about the sidebar there. Um, anything else? Henry, you had your hand up? <clears throat> That's what, that's what we do in the South, right? Yeah, your destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is, um, I know John Stone Street within the Colson Center, you know, um, and Summit Ministries does the same thing. I mean, there's basically four or five ideas, and I, you know, I add a fifth one now, uh, but that is, you know, origin, where do we come from? Uh, morality, how are we supposed to live? Identity, who are we, right? Uh, meaning is our purpose, and our destiny. And again, each one of those, what you're saying, David, is how people answer that will reveal their, their worldview. And so you can, and again, those are things. How do we get here? There's only two ways. I mean, you know, that's an easy one. There's only two ways how we got here. It's either supernatural creation or evolution. There is no third way. So that one becomes an easy one. It's a little harder to flesh out, but, um, and then again, morality, how are we supposed to live? And but those are, those are excellent questions that we want to be able to ask. Henry? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to have, I mean, literally, I mean, you know, God's ideas, God's principles, they're the best one because the God's ideas and principles, I mean, I mean, literally, that's the glue that holds culture together and coming to part of the scene. But the further we get away from that, the more destructive, the more chaotic things are going to become. Um, and again, you know, our goal, I was, you know, I, I know I said this in the past, you know, 
Our goal each day is not to think, I'm going to have victory. That's not what God calls us to. God calls us to faithfulness. Help me to be faithful with what you put before me today. Victory is the Lord's. We just need to be faithful with what God's calling us to. Because if we start looking for victory, man, you're going to be out of that game quickly. You will be out of that game quickly. Um, And so God calls us to faithfulness in the good times. He calls us to faithfulness in the bad times. And this kind of a little, eh, never mind, I won't even go there. But it's all good. All right, any other things that you learned, that you thought that was good? All right, so the next discussion question is, can you tell the grand story of the Bible? Or just tell the grand story of the Bible? All right? Which is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So here's what I want you to do. Saying what I just said, that's not the story of the Bible. That's the outline of the story of the Bible. I want you to walk through the story of the Bible. Verbally share it at the table. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. We need to be able to tell it and tell it well. Okay, time's going to demand that we bring it in. So now, when we tell the story, right, when we tell this meta narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, again, we're really good with the fall part. We're really good with the redemption part. Uh, but when we talk about that creation part, and, and this, this happens back here, and it happens really a lot of places. When we talk about restoration, we're talking about that eternality that's coming, the heavens, the new heavens and the new earth, right? Let me tell you, that's God's promise for us, and that's coming. But, you know, that's hard for us to grasp. That's hard for us to grasp. And so when you're talking with somebody that's lost, they're just like, I'm, I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to get through today. And so it's important that, one, we tell the creation piece well. And the creation piece needs to include the cultural mandate. Man, God intends for us to live in a culture of flourishing where humanity is held high, where we care for people, where we care for the creative order. We need to paint that picture because that's what people care about. It's part of their DNA. It's part of them being image bearers. We need to tell that part well. Right? And again, we got the fall. We all get that. And then, hang on a second, Henry. And then we got the redemption. And then we need to tell the part of restoration. Yes, it is this eternal life, but man, it's an abundance of life here on earth that God intends for us to live. He wants you to live that. He wants me to live that. And those are pieces that we need to tell well. One, because they're God's story, but two, that's people's hearts are drawn to that. When you're just sitting there thinking, man, I'm just trying to get through today. And it's like, man, God understands that. And he's put people around you that care for you, and they want to help you get through today. But not just today. They want, we want to see you living a life that flourishes of abundance where you're fulfilling your purpose and your design that God's created for you. Man, people are hungering for that. So it's important that we tell those pieces well, not gloss over those and just spend 30 minutes on sin. We need to tell the whole, that those, those bookends, we need to tell them well. Okay? Kevin?
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, you do want to kind of purge the church language out of there. Um, because one, if they do recognize it, they'll begin to shut you down quickly on that. They'll begin to shut you down quickly on that. So, yeah. Henry? Hang on a second. Henry? Yeah, and you do, but I think the beautiful thing about what Kevin said is if you start out with crime, we all understand what that is. We all understand. But, what, and he says, you know what? God calls that sin. They've already agreed to it. It's a crime. It's a crime against humanity. It's a crime against God calls that sin. And then you can begin to bring those ideas in where they really know that. Or you can at least flesh that idea out. Bob? Yeah, you, and you do have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah, Sarah, did you have something? There is, yes, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with that, that there's, there's Scripture, and then there's what we, we think is Scripture, you know, and that's that churchy language that kind of comes in. And, and again, I just, if you can get agreement on something on a crime, they understand that. Um, 
again, it was just like, I don't have time to do that and talk about that. But anyway, it is, you got eventually, you got to get them there. But if, once they agree onto a point, and then they said, well, God calls that sin. Well, I don't do that. Well, you, we talked about crime, and you do do that, and we do do that. And God says, don't steal, and you know, you've got all of these other things. But once you get some kind of a commitment from them, you, can, you keep going further and further into the discussion. And the other thing is, man, trust the leading of the Spirit. Trust the leading of the Spirit. And we, we definitely have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I think that's critical. And again, that's that's thinking well of people. You know, that's how we treat people matters in the end. I may not share the meta narrative or the grand story of the Bible well, but man, if I'm doing it with love and patience and kindness, people are one. They don't know that I'm not necessarily sharing it well because they don't know the story of the Bible. But they do know when I'm being snarky. They do know that, and they know when I'm being loving and kind. And and in the end, that that's going to be the grace that's going to allow you to take the conversation further. So you want to trust the leading of the Spirit, and you want to leave people well. Okay. And. This thing has gone out on me. And so this is up on the board every time you come in. Equipping you to engage the culture with the cause of Christ to further his kingdom wherever his feet take you. Do you feel like you've been equipped? A little, a lot? Right? Yes and no. And I don't think we really have time to, to flesh this out, to talk about it. But here's the thing is, is, do you feel like you can go and have conversations? Or is there something that you think, okay, this is missing and I wish you would have covered this? Because i got 11 weeks next semester to, to cover all of those things. But, because ultimately, this is the goal of what we're trying to do. And it takes, you know what, it takes time. It takes time. You know, we were again, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have India talk to this because she's she's been in my class on Wednesday mornings for three years now, and there's a there's again I give them these questions, and so there's a young lady. I told you I was gonna do this, right? Okay, so don't 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 stand over there like, wow, he just threw me under the bus. I threw her under the bus this morning, so she knew it was coming. Um, but this one, she's a sophomore, and so she's asking, the question was, is what is virtue? They're to ask their friends, and, and is it necessary? And, of course, their friends were kind of walking through this whole thing about virtue, and they kind of got it right, kind of didn't get it right, and, and they, th they thought virtue was necessary. And so her friend was trying to get a little more clear of this young girl in the class, and she goes, but, you know, where does morality come into virtue? Oh, that's, that's nowhere in, in there. And, and this young, she was stumped at that point in time, Right? And so what did you say, India?
Yeah. And it, it just takes practice and it takes time and it does take work. I mean, since this is her third year doing this, you know, we're not going to go through one semester and I'm just, I'm going to have this, this nailed. It, it takes time and it takes how am I going to use this, wh whatever it is you've learned, whether it be a little or a lot, how are you going to use this to engage the culture? And that's where I would just like you to end it. Not, when you get home, pray about that, think about that. Lord, how would you have me to take this and use it in the culture to engage the culture for the cause of Christ? Because, man, if this is just an academic exercise, man, I can, I can give you a textbook and you can get this. It'd probably be better. You wouldn't have to listen to me. and it, you, know, you could read it at your own speed or whatever the case is. But, man, God doesn't call us to just knowledge. He calls us to wisdom and love and mercy and grace. And so that's my prayer is, is that you would just take one thing and put down one action item to it and say, I'm going to do this. And one of the things that I always encourage is go teach somebody what you learned. If you've learned something in here, find somebody, a child, a brother or a sister, a parent, a coworker, and teach them what you learned. Just one thing. Man, that starts that ball rolling of having conversations. And if you're having conversations, you get to speak God's truth into that conversation, whatever that is. And ultimately, hopefully we get into, we get to have gospel conversations with people. But we've got to meet them where they're at. Okay, let me close this in prayer. And thank you very much for your faithfulness. And we, man, I just love you. And thank you very much. And let's pray. Blessed Father, we do this. Thank you for... Lord, the victory is yours. Let us not get caught up in thinking that we're saving people because we're not, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We are just called to share the gospel. Uh, we're called to share, to speak truth and love and kindness. And so, Lord, may we be those followers of Christ, Lord. May we be so filled with the Spirit that people would know your goodness and your truth and your love. So, Father, just give us those those conversations to have with family. I know those can be difficult with friends or at work or wherever we're at in the coffee shops or in the grocery stores, Lord. We want to be able to speak your truth into people's lives. And so we just pray for wisdom. We pray for filling of the Holy Spirit. And we pray of all things that you would be glorified, O oh Lord. And it's in your mighty name we ask these things. Amen.